Now, I'm going to share a message to you entitled uh, Redeem Time, Move On and Finish Well from the book of Haggai. Why do I decide to entitle this message this way? Because over the last month and a half, we have heard so much from the book of Haggai. And I feel in my spirit that it's good to consolidate. It's good to take stock of what has been shared, what has been said, but more important, how to move on. So that by the end of this year, we can say we have finished well. So let me begin. One of the highlights of the book of Haggai is time. Is time. No other book begins or has this. The precise time up to the day when the prophecy of God is delivered. Haggai 1.1 begins this way. In the second year of King Darius, that's why we know it's 520 BC. Because the second year of King Darius II, or the king of Persia, is 520 BC, historically. On the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. How precise can you get? And this was not only the first time, but as we go down the book, on the 21st day of the seventh month, clearly still the second year, and then in Haggai chapter 2, verse 10, on the 24th day of the ninth month, and after that, Haggai ceased prophesying. If you minus the ninth month from the sixth month, Haggai prophesied only three months. And thereafter, he disappeared from the scene, but the word of God still remains. Interestingly, Zechariah, the next book, begins this way in Zechariah 1.1, when he says in the eighth month of the second year, 520 BC, but no exact date, day, but still the eighth month, Zechariah came. So if you put the two together, you would note that on the ninth month, eighth and ninth month, on the second year of King Darius, there were two prophets. There was an overlap of one month. Why? It's as if to say that whatever Haggai was saying and prophesying, the word of the Lord was so important that God says, I'm going to send reinforcement, one more prophet, saying the same thing. It must be important. I want to say this to all of us, that when God speaks, time is of essence. You have heard me say that before. There are certain moments and seasons of our life, whether it be for you personally, or whether it be for your family, or for the church, or even for the nation, or even for the world, when God speaks. Certain moments of our life, you have to respond. Because, don't know why. And after that, God doesn't speak anymore. And that's exactly what happened. Because after Haggai came Zechariah, and after Zechariah came Malachi. And God was saying to the children of Israel, consider your ways. Come back to the Lord. Be open and honest before me. Build my house. Honor me. Don't give me leftovers. Don't give me sick animals. 
Don't come to my, my house and play church. You dishonor me. Did the children of Israel obey? Yes and no. They obeyed partially. My friends, partial obedience is no obedience. You cannot obey God on certain aspects that is convenient to you and hope and pray that that obedience will now overshadow your disobedience. It doesn't work that way. But again and again, God sent Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Partial obedience. And God stopped speaking. 400 years. For 400 years. Silence. There is a time limit and a time frame to enter into God's eternal timeline for your life. And I'm making it very personal to you. This is the principle of God and this is how God works. Can I encourage you? Don't miss out on God's best for you because you are either careless, I don't care, or you are careless, I'm stubborn. Is that when God speaks, you know one. Don't be careless and don't be careless. Everybody say, Redeem time. Everybody say, Move on. Everybody say, Finish well. And this is what I want to share with you today. How to do that. Pastor Lee Chu and I was in London to visit my eldest son in November last year. And we checked into a hotel. And the first thing that met my eyes as I entered the room was a framed up poster of a quotation from William Shakespeare in his play, Henry II, in scene five, in act five, scene five, the final act. It says, time wasted me, or rather, I wasted time, now does time waste me. I wasted time, now time wasted me. This is the king of England. He could have done so much for his country. But in his final days and years of his life, he was languishing. He squandered opportunities. He wasted time. And now, he's just waiting to die. I wasted time. Now time wastes me. Have you wasted time? You know, I've seen many, many people at the prime of their youth, wasted time. At the height of their success, wasted opportunities. And today, their frame is weak. They are tired, they are weary, they are sick. Time is running out. Yesterday, after the first service, a gentleman came up to me, tears in his eyes. He said, Pastor, I've been in this church only two years, but do you know something? 
for 16 years from other churches everywhere, I wasted my time. I was very successful, he told me. But now, I want to serve God. I asked him, how old are you? He said, 75. I looked at him. He is weak. Nothing wrong. I prayed for him. I wasted time. Now time wastes me. Can I encourage you? Serve God. Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 16 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. The word circumspectly is an old English term, we don't use it nowadays, that comes from the Latin word circumspectus. It means look around, look around you. Circumference, inspect. Circumspectus, circumspectly. In other words, look around you. How difficult is that? Look around you. Times have changed. Be prudent, he says. Be cautious. And I like this amplification of this definition of circumspectly. He says it implies a careful, reflective consideration of all circumstances with an aim of avoiding the same bad mistakes you have made before. It's not even a mistake. It is to avoid the same bad mistakes. And the trouble is, many of you are still doing the same. You never learned. And time is running on. You wasted time. And time wastes you. I remember 10 years ago when we did the book of Hebrews, I preached a message entitled The Seven Shakings of God, taken from Hebrews chapter 12. And it was a the writer of the book of Hebrews was actually quoting Haggai. In the book of Haggai, God said, once more, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. And the writer of the book of Hebrews picked that up in Hebrews chapter 12 and said, once more, God says, I will shake the heavens and the earth so that whatever that can be shaken will be shaken and only what is not shaken will remain. It goes on to say, I am a consuming fire. Do you know that as I look back at that notes 10 years ago, every one of those seven shakings is present today. What is it? I can't share this with you, it's too long. What is God saying? Redeem time. My friend, listen to me very carefully. There is a time frame and a time limit when God says something. You have to obey. The good news, in Haggai, the children of Israel obeyed. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 12, and for this I will read 
from the Bible. They obeyed. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. So they obeyed the Lord. That's good news. It's very good news. But then how do you move on? I want to believe that all of you given the messages that has been delivered from this pulpit, whether last year or this year, something has awakened your spirit and you want to obey. But can I say this to you? We need to move further. Mental ascent is not enough. The streets of heaven are never paved with good intentions. Never. Obedience to the Lord is more than just cognitive. It is more than just emotional tuggings of your spirit, of your heart. It is more than that. So what else? We must now translate obedience into action. How do we do that? And this is where now my message kicks in. Hear me well. Because my heart and my desire for you, church, is that all of us redeem time, move on, and finish the last half of our life. Well, remember, this is the beginning of a new decade. Four things. How then do we Move on and finish well. Four key essentials. Number one, your spirit must be stirred. Let's read on. Haggai chapter 1, verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people, I am with you. The Lord says, look, if you do this, I am going to be there. I will accompany you. He's going to not leave you alone. All he needs from you is more than just a mental ascent, is to, is to agree with him, resonate with him, want to change, want to move on and have a desire to, 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 to finish well. Verse 14, and so the Lord, see, once they obey, once they say yes to God, what does God do? So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, stirred up the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people and they came to begin the work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. The Lord must stir up your spirit. Why? It's more than mental ascent. You see, it is spiritual. Unless your spirit man is stirred up inside of you, it will come to nothing. Why? Because the moment you come out of this auditorium, you go to the, the hospitality room and talk about the coronavirus and, and all kinds of things, gone already. Lah. I'm so glad after Chinese New Year, this hall is still quite full. It's full, in fact. Come on, let's give up a clap for you. Is it amazing? I expect that after Chinese New Year, two-thirds of you will disappear or something like that. I don't know. But praise God. That's amazing, right? And my, my prayer is that you will continue. But the key is this. Your spirit must be stirred. Must be stirred. Why is this now? Think with me. Think with me. What do you mean, Pastor? 
that my spirit must be stirred. Now think with me, and for the next five minutes, I'm going to explain to you something that many of you already know, and you have journeyed with me, I've mentioned this several times, but bear with me, and it's good to remind ourselves. Okay with you? Everybody say, my spirit must be stirred. One more time, my spirit must be stirred. Why? Because, bear up with me, essentially, all of us, I'll take only five minutes or so on this, because you've heard it before, we are tripartite beings. We are body, we are soul, which means the emotions, the will, and the mind. And we are spirit. You are not just flesh and blood. You are all three. And the usual order is that we pander to our body and there's nothing wrong with that. You feed yourself, you enjoy good food and all kinds of things. You go for manicure, pedicure, etc., etc. Nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong. Please, enjoy life. And we also feed our soul when we read. Now, not that people don't read. Anyway, we, we, we enjoy ourselves, we laugh, you know, and, 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 and we feed our minds with good things, I hope. Spirit, once a week, two hours, come to church. And the rest of the seven days of the week, we starve our spirit. Why? Because it is the least important of the three things wrong. That's where the devil tricked us. Why do I say that we need to think? Because, and you heard me say this before, essentially, you have to now think and convince yourself that we are actually spiritual beings trapped in a physical body and not just a physical being who happens to have a be a spirit somewhere. That's why we pander to our body. Why do I say that? Our spirit is the only one that is rejuvenated on planet Earth when we are Christians. When you and I are born again, which part of the tripartite being is born again? Your spirit, right? Jesus says, he who is born again is born again of water and the spirit. You must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, what is it? I cannot see do I need to go back to my mother's womb? No, no, don't do that. It's spiritual. So your spirit is the one on planet Earth and you sit down there as I walk on Earth, you walk on Earth. It's the only part of us that is rejuvenated. Is our soul rejuvenated? Partly. That's why the flesh fights against the spirit. The soulish part of us. We think dirty thoughts. We are angry. We are being saved, being sanctified, not fully saved. Body, 110% not saved. That's why we die. Every millisecond as I speak, your body decays. But in the fullness of time, spirit, soul, and body will be saved. But as it stands on planet Earth, only your spirit is rejuvenated and regenerated. So you feed your spirit, huh? Why do you want to feed a degenerate soul and a degenerate, decapitated body? And we allow all of this to overpower us. And we are carnal. It doesn't make sense. So what do we need to do? We need to invert. 
We need now, if we really believe this from Scripture and believe that on planet Earth, the only part of Earth that is literally connected with God, you know, the devil cannot take your spirit away, but he can influence your mind. He can influence your soul. Definitely, he can make your flesh life become the dominant part of you. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to be spiritual. Listen, when, when Peter told Jesus, no, 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 don't go to the cross. Jesus said to, to Peter, get thee behind me, what? Satan, Satan. what? It's Peter, not Satan. So, so where is Satan? He must be there, right? Jesus was not having an illusion. It was Satan. Huh. You get a clue. Because the next thing Jesus said is, Peter, you don't have in mind the things of God. Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God. Which part of Peter's anatomy did Satan attack? The mind. He was still not regenerate. That's why if we want to live our life victoriously, we have to build up our spirit man invert so that our spirit now becomes the dominant part of us, the soul, and then the body now becomes number three in a packing order. Is that possible? Yes. How? Well, you must come to my seminar. So I do a seminar twice a year called the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of other people from other churches come where I share with you my own personal journey, how to live a victorious Christian life, how do you build up your spirit man, so it's more than that, so, so that at the end of the day, you, you, are not, you are spiritual but not spooky. I'm not saying, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to be superstitious, spooky. Oh, oh God. No, you don't need to be that one. Huh? You can live normally, enjoy your life, enjoy your manicure, manicure, and yet be very spiritual. Do you think so? Yeah. yeah. You can be what I say, naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. Come to my class. So we, we must, our spirit must be stirred. And not only that, in the class I will share with you how your spirit must be strong. Not only stirred, your spirit must be strong. Because only a stronger person can overcome a weaker person. If you have temptations, if you are weak, you, 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 will, be, you will succumb to them. Don't you think so? Because your spirit is strong, now you can overcome uh, and not succumb, uh, I'm saying, and not be overcome. Uh. So your spirit must be strong, all right? And, and that's exactly you see in Haggai. In chapter 2, God said to Zerubbabel, be strong. God said to Joshua, the high priest, be strong. God said to, to, to uh, the, the people of Israel, be strong. Be strong in what? Not physically, but be strong what? Spiritually. So when I say to you, church, be strong. It's spiritual. It is imperative that you must now begin to strengthen your spirit man. Not only is your spirit stirred, but you must be strong because the devil will do his utmost to trap you, to tell you it's, you only need to do is come to church once a week and that's it. No wonder. You never read the Bible? You never pray? And you wonder why am I defeated all the time? How come I, I got no peace? 
The third thing we must do, if we are to redeem time, move on and finish wealth, is very important. Not only must our spirit be stirred in the book of Haggai, that's how God moved the entire nation. Huh? Not only must they be strong in their spirit, and this is up to you, one, no? whether, look, there, there was a, 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 some, a picture that went viral of two ladies, quite plumish, you know, whose husbands were wondering how come they go to the gym for umpteen years and still not fit. So the, the, the husband hired a private investigator and found that every time these two ladies with quite plumish went to the gym, all they did was to stand on that thing, not moving, and chatted. <laughs> After two hours, they went home. How to be strong? You go to the gym to chat one. Uh. The palm iron. So you come to church, and many of you, some of you are falling asleep. You come to church to engage. You come to church to serve, so, not so that you give your time to God, but in serving, you are strengthened. Amen? By giving, you are strengthened. By having a, going to a, a cell, you are strengthened. Why do we have this revolution? so that you serve. And in the process, you are strengthened. Third thing is very important. Now, you must intentionally set yourself apart for God. It's a process. What does it mean? Where do I get it from? Everybody say, my spirit must be stirred. Everybody say, my spirit must be strong. Everybody say, I must set myself apart for God. Very simple steps, huh? Doable one. What happened in Haggai? After all of this, obedience, they want to go, and the spirit are stirred, and the spirit are strong, they started work to rebuild the temple. And after three months, remember they started on the sixth month, right? The word of God came to and they started to work on the sixth month. But after three months, on the 24th day of the ninth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. They already started working. They obeyed. The spirit was stirred. But Haggai chapter 2 verse 19 says, Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. What? But God, you promised, right? You promise to heal. You promise that, that, that I will be restored. You promise that everything will go on well, right? How come? Uh, I serve, nothing happened. Something's wrong. Haggai chapter 2, verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, and this is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law is. If a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew or some wine, oil or other food, does it become consecrated? In other words, a clean thing touches a dirty thing, does the dirty thing becomes consecrated? Answer is no. But if a person defiled by contact with a dead body, like coronavirus, now touches you, will you be defiled? Yes. And this is the Lord says, the problem 
is defilement. The problem is there is sin in the house. Clean hands, pure heart. Pastor Jeffrey and I think Pastor Fergus took this illustration from me last week because I shared this illustration towards the end of last year when I was preparing my pastor on Haggai. So you might as well hear it directly from me, so to speak, from the horse's mouth. I use a contemporary illustration. This sink is full of dirty plates. If I were to put clean plates, a clean plate onto that dirty plate, will the clean plate make the dirty plates clean? No. What will happen is that the dirty plates will now make the clean plate dirty. Can you follow me? It is about defilement. When you and I come into the house of God and serve the holy God, you cannot serve Him with dirty hands. That's exactly what God is saying. Why? Because setting yourself apart for God is actually the word kadosh, which is holy. God is not asking you to be sinless. No. None of us are sinless except Jesus Christ. But all he requires from you and from me, how difficult can that be? Is for you and I to deliberately and intentionally this year set yourself apart for God and for his plans and for his purposes in whatever role that God has put you in in the marketplace. How difficult can that be? When you still have the energy and the opportunity and the time. You cannot please God and serve Him when our hands are dirty and our motives are impure. You cannot do that. Why? Because God says, I am holy. Hear me well, my friend. Hear me very well. God is not asking you to become sinless. None of us are. God is not asking us to, to, to be literally holy. You know, olden days, uh, in my time, there was a TV series called The Saint, remember? And the first thing was Roger Moore. And it usually begins by a picture of a saint and the, the hello came out, remember? Those of you who don't remember, remember. Nobody is asking you to walk around with a hello overview, you understand? Just asking you to deliberately set yourself apart unto God this year. How difficult can that be? But you say, no time. No time, Pastor. No time. God is a good God. Can I have the musicians on board? I'm going to close. And I share with you the fourth one. God says, I will bless you. You see, it's not even about being sinless. It's about being repentant. It's about being broken before God. It's not about being right. I must be right. No, it's about being righteous. And even your righteousness is not your own righteousness. It's imputed righteousness. Because all our righteousness, no matter how good you are, are as filthy rags. God is not asking you to be a good, sinless person. No. He's asking you not to be pious or religious, but being holy and truthful before God with all our frailties. I like what 2 Corinthians says. All of us at best are just cracked pots, cracked vessels in which the Shekinah glory of God resides. That's all we are. 
you know, can I share this with you? Whenever there is a shifting to another level of spirituality, God will begin to sift you. The key is, are you up to it? Demands will be made. There are certain things that you have done before you cannot do now. There are certain attitudes that you have, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, you have to discard. There are certain things in your past you have to let go. Understand? You have to let go. Amazing thing is this, God says for the first time, Haggai chapter 2, verse 19. Previously, I am with you. Previously, I will accompany you, meaning I will help you. But now he says, I will bless you. It is not automatic. Don't come to God and say, God, because I gave you my, my tithing, I serve, you bless me. No. Your spirit must be stirred. It must be strong. You must set yourself apart unto the Lord. Not sinless, but blameless. Blameless meaning what? The devil cannot blame you. Remember, the devil is the accuser. That's exactly what happened to Joshua and Zechariah. The devil blamed Joshua. And God says, no, change his clothes. He's a firebrand taken out from the fire. Not because he's righteous, because I am righteous. You see, God has made provisions for you and I. Not because we are so good, my friend. All we need to do is to do these three things. And the fourth one I'm going to share in just one minute's time. Is I will bless you. And it's a fourth. Everybody say, my spirit must be stirred. Everybody say, my spirit must be strong. Everybody say, I must decide to come clean and set myself apart from God. Personalize it. One, two, three. I must decide to come clean and set myself apart for God. And this is my fourth thing. You must be sustainable. Why? If this is hype alone, if I were just to play with your emotions and not go back to the Word of God, before long, literally in minutes, it will disappear. But because this is what the Lord says, the key is, fly high, last long. You know, one of the things as a senior pastor I'm very, very afraid of is that some of you get so offended and leave the church. It hurts me. You know, if I were to quantify and write down the various reasons why people leave the church, it's okay if you go to another church, I'm fine. But when people leave the church and don't go to church anymore, I, I look at some of the reasons it's, it's, it's insignificant So the ones who have done that here I, I, I thought through some of them Is number one Those who didn't get what they want They were not promoted to cell leader They were offended in the cells In the ministry They wanted their way but didn't get it So leave the church People leave the church because they they couldn't, the girlfriend and the boyfriend jilted them. People leave the church for the minutest of things. Maybe we are not spiritual enough. And somebody even left the church. Literally, it's true because I did not invite him for my birthday dinner. <laughs> I'm so fearful. But the key is this, my friend, listen to me very carefully. Hang on. Even if you're offended, 
you did not get what you want, don't take it on God. We might have failed you, understand? We are not perfect. We have done things that, that are less than perfect. But don't take it on God for your sake. And let me close with this. You know, the amazing thing, as I look through the book of Haggai, the only book that I know uh, where the proportion of the term, the Lord Almighty, the Lord, and I got it from Pastor Isaac, he put all the, the verses with the NLT version just a couple of weeks ago. And I saw that it struck me because in the NIV, it is the Lord Almighty. Says the Lord Almighty. The Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The Lord Almighty. Everything is the Lord Almighty. It is Jehovah Sabaoth. Why? Of all the terms and the names of God that God decides to name Himself in this 38 verses, it could be Jehovah Shalom, El Shaddai, El Elyon. No. The Lord of the armies of heaven. Is that deliberate? Yes. Why? My pastor, there's no war. No. He means says, God says, if you do all of these things, the angelic armies, and I am the general, will back you up. Thus says Jehovah Sabaoth. Very clear. It's up to you, my friend. Up to you. When God says there are certain things you need to do, and I want to bless you, and I will back you up with angelic hosts. And this is very much in keeping what the Lord has been saying to me uh, and what uh, Elder SK mentioned. When I shared with you 1 Samuel 7 at the end of last year, the Lord says, return to me. Come back to me. Discard your allegiance to other gods and serve me only. And you raise up an Ebenezer. You keep thanking the Lord. You keep saying, the Lord has helped me so far. 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 12. The Lord says, I will fight on your behalf. Jehovah Sabaoth. And enemies will attack you. But they will not invade your health. They will not invade your family. It will not invade your business, your peace. Because he said, I will give you peace. And throughout the entire lifetime of Samuel, the enemies was pushed out, out of Israel's territory. If you do all these things, God says, Jehovah Sabaoth will push the enemies of your family, of your health, of your children, there are certain things you have to do. Let's close our eyes. Shall we do that, friend? There's nothing that I shared with you today that is not from the Word of God. Understand? There's nothing. So you, you have to take it very seriously. So all eyes closed, all heads bowed. I, I'm not asking you to come forward. Because in this kind of climate, you know, maybe it's not good to lay hands. I don't know. So if God is speaking to you in the next five minutes, when you are ready, you just respond. Somewhere in my message, God has spoken to you that there are issues of your life you need to settle. Or you want to say to God, Lord, enough is enough. 
I want to end well. I want to move on with my life. I, I'm sick and tired of my spiritual status quo. Today, I really want to move on. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. If God is speaking to you, you stand. But don't stand again because other people are standing. You stand because you say to God, Yes, Lord. In the next five minutes, I'm going to close. That's all. Let me pray for you. When you're ready, you stand. I'm going to wait for five minutes and I'm going to pray for you. You know, as you are standing, let me share with you what the Lord spoke to me at the end of 2018. You can write it down, you can remember it from Job chapter 8, verse 7. At the end of 2018, the Lord gave me these three verses. Job chapter 8 verse 7 says, Though your beginnings are insignificant, yet your endings will greatly increase. And when I saw that verse, I was reading Job, it popped out. And I know that in the last half of my life, God will bless. And all the issues that troubled me, including the succession of this church, it will turn out all right, man. But then Job chapter 8, verse 7 is predicated upon Job chapter 8, verse 6. And God is very consistent. He says that you must be upright and pure. How consistent can that be? When you have clean hands and pure heart and be honest and truthful before God, he goes on to say in that verse 6, I will arouse myself. What? The Spirit of God is now stirred. By whom? By you. What? As He stirs our spirit and we obey, His spirit is now stirred. God says, I will now arouse myself and then give back to you what is rightfully yours. Verse 5. Sorry, verse 5, that's right. 567 predicated on this seek my face plead your cause because God is holy my friend the word of God has been released you receive it internalize it Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for these dear people standing in your presence today. I want to pray, God, that even as the word of God is released, it will hit the bullseye. It will score the goal. That whatever circumstances they may be in, because God, our spirit are stirred. We want to be strong. We want to intentionally, from this day onwards, literally set ourselves apart for you, for your plans, for your purposes in our lives, so that we do not waste time. But instead, Father Lord, we want to fulfill the prophetic destiny of our lives. And God, we will not give in. We will not be offended. We will not give up. We will not cave in. But Lord, we will finish well. So Father, I want to bless every single one of these dear people that are standing in your presence today by faith, humbly. Strengthen them. Help them. 
And I want to pray that God, the double blessing of God in Haggai, that you are going to be with them, with us. And not only will you accompany us to tutor us, you will also bless us. Once again, there'll be grain in the barns. Once again, the new wine will flow. Once again, the healing will come. Once again, there will be joy, there will be life, there will be laughter, there will be love in your home once again. Once again. Hallelujah, Father. Oh, Do you know that whatever they didn't do for 16 years, when they put their hearts to it, they accomplished it four years. And I prophesy to you today, even as you are in God's presence of God, that if within the next few years, whatever that you choose to do for God will be expedited. There will be a divine acceleration because now it's not you, it's not your effort. But because you surrender to God, whatever it is, they will bear fruit. There will be fruitfulness, there will be joy, there will be laughter, there will be fulfillment. Because the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former one. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former one. Oh, Ramanda Come on, pray, pray in tongues with me, my friend. Just speak out, speak out, pray in tongues. Oh, Ramanda Come, let's all stand. Should we do that? Let's all stand. Let's all stand and speak in tongues. Pray, pray, pray your spirit, man. Just pray, respond to your spirit, spirit to spirit, spirit to spirit. That those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. It has to be in spirit and in truth. Come on, respond to God, spirit to spirit, spirit to spirit. Over and above your mind, over and above your flesh, over and above your emotions. Let the spirit man begin to dominate now. Ontologically invert. Ontologically invert. Live a life in a higher spiritual plane. Come on, church, do it. Do it with the next minute or two. Come on, pray, pray strong, pray strong. Let your spirit respond. If you don't know how to do it, you come to my class. I will tell you, it's very important, very important. Your spirit must come alive. I will share with you what is speaking in tongues. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on. No matter what you're going through today, hallelujah. Look to God. Look to God. Understand? He is Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of the heavenly host. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace upon the, the shoulders, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and it will it will increase. And what does it say? The zeal of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, will see it to pass. It is the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God will never let you go, my friend. He will never let you go. Make sure you don't let go. God will never let you go. But you make sure you don't let go. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We bless you, Father Lord, we bless you. You're a good Father. You're a good God. You never condemn us. You never 
never. Every time, everything you do is for our good. You want to bless us. You delight to do that. But there are certain things that we need to do, and they are all doable. They are all doable. So God, may we stir up our spirits, be strong. Intentionally decide to set ourselves apart for God, for Your plans and Your purposes for the rest of our days, and help us, Lord, never to give up, never to let go, because You don't and will never let us go. So thank you, Jesus, for Your Word. Now, separate us now with Your blessing. Bring us safely home. Go back home and bless your families. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards every one of you and your loved ones, and always grant you shalom. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Of course, we will say aloud. Amen. Let's give God a good clap offering. Amen.